With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekama Daf Kuf Tazayin, page 116. We begin six lines in. We spoke about in the mission of the case where we have somebody walking along with a barrel of wine, the second person walking along with a barrel of honey, the barrel of honey is cracking, the person with a barrel of wine pours out his wine in order to save the barrel of honey. So if they make no condition at the beginning, so all the person whose barrel of honey was saved has to pay to the one who poured out his wine, it is just for the value of his time, but not for the loss of his wine. But if they make a condition from the onset that the person who's pouring out his wine is going to get paid back for his wine in order to save the honey, so then he will have to pay that. So the Gemara says, Am I? Why is it so? Why can't the person who owns the honey say to the person who has poured out his wine, I was just kidding around with you. I'm not going to pay you the full amount of your wine. We actually have a precedent for this. We have a bracelet that says, Let's say somebody was an escaped convict running away from the jail. And there was a river he had to pass in front of him. And there's a boat there waiting to take people across the river. And he says to the guy whose boat it is, he says, I'm going to give you a lot more money than it usually costs in order to get to the other side of the river. Meaning, usually it costs, let's say, $10. He says, I'm going to give you 100 bucks to get me across the river. So all the owner of that boat can get out of the escaped convict is the regular price that he usually charges, which is the $10, the $100 he cannot get out of him. Alma, what do we see? It's clear that a person doesn't intend to give that kind of money. And therefore you can say to him, I was just, I was just kidding around with you. So, so here too we should be able to say that the person whose honey is getting saved should say to the person who wasted his wine, I was just kidding around with you. All I'm going to pay you is for the value of your time, just like anyone else. This is only comparable rather to the second part of the price which we are about to quote. What does it say there? Let's say he says to him, take $100 for your, for your payment and get me across the river. So in the second case, the price it says he does pay him fully. What's the understanding? Why is it different in the second case? What's the difference between the first case and the second case? So Rami Barcham explains like this. The second case, the reason he has to pay him fully for the $100 offer that he made, even though it usually costs 10 bucks to get to the other side of the river, it's Bitsayid Hashar Dagim and Hayom. Because we're speaking about the person who's getting him to the other side of the river doesn't usually take people. It's not a shuttle guy who takes people from one side to the other. But rather, this guy, the guy who owns this boat, he's usually going out fishing. He's collecting fish. And therefore, Vamalayev Sitani Kivri Bezuzo. So he says to him, listen, if you want me to take you across the river, so I'm going to lose out from all the fish that I would be fishing at the time that I'm taking you across the river. So for a dollar or ten dollars, you want me to get you across the river? I'm sorry, that's not going to cut it. You give me a hundred dollars like you offered me. So there where there's an obvious loss, so then we say that the person who's making the offer has to indeed come through on his offer. So, so too over here in our case, where a person is losing the wine, He's wasting his wine in order to save the honey. So there, there's an obvious law. So when they make a condition that the payment shouldn't just be for the time spent on it, but rather it should be for his loss as well, so then the person whose honey is getting saved has an obligation to pay for the loss of the wine as well. Let's say the river overflowed and it's threatening to drown one person's donkey and another person's donkey as well. We said in the mission of this case, so the first donkey is worth $100, the second donkey is worth $200. So the guy who owns the first donkey, the cheaper donkey, he helps instead the one who owns the more expensive donkey. So we said if they make no conditions, all he gets paid is for his work, for his time. But if they make a condition, so then the first donkey owner whose donkey was lost, he gets paid back for his donkey. So it sounds exactly the same as the first case. It's a similar type of case. Vitzrichas, Gemara says, we need both cases. Di'i Ashmin and Kamaisa, if I only said the first case, Hasamu. In that case, you might have said that it's 
the halacha that way. The piresh, that when they explicitly stated that I'm doing this only so that you pay me back for my loss, yadli the kule. So then you have to pay the full value. Why? Mishra to be a daim Because there he's actively going and ruining his wine. So maybe over there, the, the person who's getting saved, his honey's getting saved, so he commits fully. Aval hacha demamela, but here it's not something that is being done actively. Rather, it's something that happens on its own. When the donkey gets killed, it's getting drowned, but it's not actively being done by the owner. So you might say that when a person is being helped, so he doesn't fully commit to paying him for his loss of donkey. So that's why it has to say that case as well, that no, he does indeed commit. And if I would have said the second case with the donkeys, so maybe only over there, the so if I only said the case, maybe it would only be in that case that we say, if there's no condition, that he only gets paid for his time. Because there, there's no implicit requirement for him to pay for the loss, because it's something that happens on its own. But in the case of the two barrels, where he's actively going and destroying his wine, you might say, that that there's an implicit obligation and a commitment on the part of the person who's getting saved, his honey's getting saved, to have to pay since it's something that he's actively doing. You see that he's actively destroying his wine. So therefore you commit beforehand. That's why we have to say that even in that case, no. If there's no condition, he doesn't have to pay for the loss of the wine. Rav Kahana asks the following question to Rav. Very interesting question. Let's say we had a similar story with these two animals, and one guy went down to save the other guy's animal. He said, if, uh, if I'm going to save your animal, you have to pay me for my animal if it dies. And what happens? The animal didn't die. Instead, the animal came out on its own. Mahu. What's going to be the halacha? So Rashi explains the question is like this. Because since the animal, when he said, you're going to pay me for the animal that I'm losing, so he assumed that he was for sure going to lose the animal. So he made it hefker. He made it ownerless. So it's like considered that he'd lost it already. It could be considered like it died. And therefore the person would have to pay him, even though it came out. So now when he repossesses it, the original owner of it, he repossesses it and he also gets the money. Or perhaps not. Or perhaps you say, listen, you got your animal back, so why should this person have to pay you for it? Amar Leh, so he responded, Rav, Rav responded to this question, In fact, the heavens had mercy upon him, meaning he, he does indeed get double. He gets his animal back and the other person also has to pay him because we consider it as if the animal had died since it became ownerless. And we have a precedent for this, like the story of Rav Safra, that he was going with a group of people, they were going on the way. There was a lion that was escorting them, so to speak, the entire night. It was threatening to, to hurt them. So, in order to pacify this lion, so each person who was part of this group, they were throwing at their donkey, and the, and the, the lion was eating it. When it came to Rav Safra's turn to throw out his donkey, so he threw out the donkey, but the lion didn't eat his donkey. Since he had made it ownerless, so Rav Safra, in, in order to get back his donkey, so he went outside, and he took the donkey back. He did an act of possession. So what do we see? We see that when a person thinks he's about to lose his animal, so it's considered that it's not his anymore. He's lost it. It's considered in a certain sense dead. And, and therefore, a person has to repossess it. So to over here, so a person who thinks that he's going to lose his donkey makes a stipulation. So it's considered that he's lost it, and therefore he has to get paid. So even if he gets it back, it's considered that he got back something else. It's like from the heavens they had mercy upon him. So now, Amr of Achmi Difti le Ravina, so Rav Achmi Difti says, I don't understand the story. He asks Ravina as follows, Lamalai le Miskibe, why does he have to go, be bothered to, to get involved in repossessing it? Granted, that he, that he went and he made it ownerless. I died to the Arya Afkare. I died to the Kuli Amalai Afkare. He only made it ownerless in regards to this lion, but not in regards to anybody else. Meaning, when a person, he's giving it to the lion, he expects the lion to eat it. He's making it, he's giving a present, so to speak, to the lion. But he's not making it that it's completely ownerless. 
So why does he have to go out and, and uh, repossess it? Amar Leh, so Ravina responded and said like this, Rav Safra, It's true, Rav Safra really did not have to go and repossess the animal. However, he was doing this so that there shouldn't be any questions, so that there shouldn't be any problems. Someone else might grab it and say, indeed, it was completely ownerless. But he didn't really have to do it, but he was just trying to prevent any further issues from occurring. Rav asks the following question of Rebbe. Let's say we make this whole agreement. I'm going to lose my animal. You're going to hit me for the loss of my animal. I'm going to help you save your higher valued animal. But what happens? We don't succeed in saving this animal. Mahu, what's going to be the halacha? Will you have to pay me for the loss of my animal or not? Amar Loi. So Rebbe responded and said, This is a great question. The answer is that all he has is the payment for his time and not for the loss of his animal. Amar says, Hold on a second. I have a question. We find that it says in Abraisa that if you hire someone else to work for you on the top of Kufta Sino, base page 116b, the reason that I hired you was in order that you should bring a cabbage or an herbal remedy for this sick person. And Tosis explains that the case is talking about, and hear this well because it's an important point, the case is talking about where I hired you to do it and I'm paying you more than this normally would cost. However, you would have had a different job that would have made you more money. So therefore, you have a loss if I don't pay you the full amount that I offered you, even though it's more than the normal amount. So now, in this case, what happens is like this. He comes, the person who was hired, he comes, he finds that the guy is dead, or that he got well. And therefore, it's not necessary to service anymore. So nevertheless, he still has to pay him the full amount, even though there's something more than the normal value. So what do we see? We see over here that beyond the, the regular value, you also have to pay him for the loss. So that's not like what we just said. We just said that if you haven't completed your task, you don't have to pay him for the loss. All you have to pay him for is for his work. Amar um, Leis, so he responds and says like this, Rabbi answered him, Me dummy, what's the comparison? Over there, he hasn't even completed what he was asked to do. Just the thing that he was asked to do is not necessary. But over here, you haven't completed what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to help me schlep my animal out of the water, and we didn't succeed in doing that, so I don't have to pay you for something that you didn't do. To pay you for the time, Beseder, I have to pay you. But to pay you for the action that you were supposed to do to save me, you didn't save me my $200. So therefore, I don't have to pay you for your loss. We learned in If there was a caravan that was going in the wilderness, and along comes a group of bandits, they want to take everything away from them, all of their possessions. But instead, they make a they make a compromise with this group of bandits, and they say to them, "We'll give you a certain amount of money each person." So then, when they try to figure out how much each person that's part of this caravan has to give, so it goes by their net value, their net worth, how much each person has, not based on a headcount. In other words, they don't give the same amount each person, but rather. Each one gives based on how much he has. Vim tire. Now, a different halacha. If let's say they're hiring a guide, how Halechlef name is going in front of them, and they want to figure out how much each person that's part of the caravan has to pay the guide. So they're also, since, as Rashi says, so the issue here has to do with the fact that this guide, so he's making sure that there's no Sakonas Tafashois, there's no danger for each and every individual. So therefore, there's also a head count that, that's involved here. So each person has to give a set amount, besides perhaps for each one paying based on his net value. In any event, so they shouldn't change from whatever the normal way, the normal accepted practice is as far as taking a certain amount of money. That's what they should do based on whatever is done in their town. Now the Gemara talks about another case where let's say you have a group of people that are all traveling with their donkeys and they make a condition amongst each other that if one of them loses his donkey, so everyone will chip in and buy him a new donkey. It's like an insurance policy that they're all involved in. 
So if the animal gets lost because of negligence on the part of the person who lost it, so then they do not replace his donkey. But if it was done without negligence, so then indeed his donkey is replaced. Let's say the guy says, instead of giving me a new donkey, just give me money and I'll buy the donkey myself later. And don't worry, I'll still watch. Because what they used to do is they used to have shifts. Every person would watch all the animals, let's say overnight or something, to make sure that no one came along and robbed them of their animals or no animals came along. So he says, he says to them, you know, it's okay, you give me the money and I'll still be in charge of watching properly, I'll still be responsible. We don't trust him anymore because since he doesn't have an animal, so he's not going to do a proper watching. If he doesn't have his own self-interest involved, he's not going to do the same type of watching. So Mar says, Pshita, that's obvious, of course, if he doesn't have his own animal, he's not going to do the same type of watching. No, we need it for the following case. The where he does have another animal that's still part of this group. He has another donkey. Mahalo Tamas, he would have thought like this, that he will, he will indeed watch it properly because he has his own animal amongst them. So that's what we're coming to teach you like this. If you don't give him an animal in place of money, if all you give him is money, even if he still has an animal, he's not going to watch the, all of the different animals the same way as he would watch it if he has both of his animals. So if he's just going to take money, you can't trust him. We continue. Let's say there was a boat that was going on the sea. A wind came along and it looked like the whole ship was going to capsize. And then so they took off from the weight. Each person is going to give off some of his own possessions, throw it out into the sea. So it doesn't go by how much value a person throws over the edge, rather it goes by how much weight. However, what you should do is based on whatever the normal way of these sailors is, because if they usually determine how much to throw overboard based on value, so then that's what you do. If they usually determine it based on weight, so that's how much you do as well. It all goes by the minig of these sailors. And let's say there's a group of people who are going in little boats together and they're transporting merchandise, similar to the case with the donkeys. So they can make a condition with each other to call Misha Adelisvina that anyone who loses his boat, if the boat gets ruined, that all of them will join together and it'll be like this insurance policy and he'll be able to get a new boat. Now again, if he lost it because of his own negligence, so then you don't give him a new boat. Because if it was done without negligence, so then in fact you will give him a new boat. And if the guy went to a place that the boats don't usually go, so if that's why the boat got destroyed, so then you don't give him a new boat. Pshita, the Gemara says, that's obvious, he did something which was negligent. The Gemara says, no, we do need it. The case is talking about that in the spring, so boats don't usually go out as far into the river, because since there's more water from all the melting snow, and from all the rain that's been happening until then, so it's safe to be close to the riverbank. So they only go out one rope's length distance. However, in the winter, so what they'll do is, since the water levels are lower, so they'll have to go farther away from the riverbank, they'll be more in the center, and they'll, they'll be as far as two ropes lengths. So what's this guy doing? So now it's a spring, there's tons of water, and nevertheless, he's going out to the place where he normally goes in the, in the winter months. So he's going to a place, now that there's more water, that's actually not the normal way, not the normal place for them to be. You might think that since he's going to a place that in other times it is the normal way to go there so therefore it's not considered that he did something dangerous Malan, so it's going to teach you that no it is considered something dangerous and it's considered his own fault and therefore his boat is not replaced if let's say there was a caravan that was going in the wilderness along comes this group of bandits and they want to take away all their stuff one of the people that's in the caravan stands up and he saves everything so, as far as reallocating whose stuff is whose, everyone gets to take back the stuff that's theirs. But if he says, I'm saving it for myself and I want to keep everything, he can in fact do that. 
Now, what's going on here? What's the case? If it was something that anyone could have gone and saved, so that means that nobody gave up hope on their portion. Even if he says, I'm taking it for myself, it's irrelevant what he says. Since no one gave up hope on it, so he can't just take it. It's not hefker, it's not ownerless, and therefore they should still split it up. And if it's a case where no one can save it, and he is out of his mind, but he goes and he saves it anyway, so everyone gave up hope on it. Even though the first case where he didn't say he's doing it for himself, so they also shouldn't be able to get split up. It should all go to him, since he was the one who saved it. And it was already hefker, it was already ownerless. So he's acquired it for himself. So what's the case? Rami Barchamah says like this, We're talking about something that had been taken away, that belonged to two partners. And one of the partners was the one who went and saved that object. Now ordinarily, when you have two partners, there's nothing to do with this case. You have two partners. If one of them wants to force the other one to split up whatever item their partner's in, you can't do it against the will of the other person. They both have to be masculine, they both have to agree to such a thing. However, we're going to see that in this case it's slightly different. In this case, So the person who went and jumped in, he was one of the partners. So he can force the other guy to split up with him. Omar, if he said, I'm doing it for myself, Pollock, then he has a right to force the other guy to split up the item and to take his own part and to give the other, the other guy his own part as well. But if he didn't say, I'm doing it for myself, so then he doesn't have a right to force the other guy against his will to split up the item. Rava Omar, Rava gives a different explanation. We could say that the case is talking about where we have a worker, meaning this group of donkey drivers or whatever it is. So they have hired somebody to work for them who's not actually, doesn't actually own any of those things that are about to get stolen. And he's the one who jumped. Ukurav, and it goes like Rav, the Omar Rav. Rav says, that in regards to anything, let's say you hired somebody and you hired him for whatever work or whatever he's going to produce that day. So when you hire someone in that way, so let's say this person finds a lost object and it's something that he has a right to keep for whatever reason, doesn't have any signs on it. So the person who's hired him actually gets whatever item this person has found. So as long as he hasn't backed out, because a worker has the right to back out in the middle of the day. Now when we say that this worker has a right to back out, it doesn't indicate the fact that he's not considered an extension of the person who's hired him. Actually, there's a different reason why he's allowed to back out. Because the verse says, You don't have the right to treat someone who's working for you like a slave. So a slave, he can't back out of working for you. But a poel, a worker, does have the right to back out. However, as long as he's working for you, as long as he hasn't backed out, so whatever he finds is considered yours. So now, this guy over here who jumped and he went and he saved the thing, things that were about to get stolen. So when he said that he's doing it for himself, so it's like he said that I'm backing out of being your worker anymore. So therefore he acquires those things for himself. However, where he hasn't said that he's doing it for himself, so he hasn't shown that he wants to stop being the worker for these people who have hired him, therefore they automatically all acquire the items that he's gone and saved, and therefore they split it up. Ravashi, Ravashi gives a different explanation. We're not talking about workers, we're talking about one of the guys who was part of this caravan. However, it was possible for someone or any of them to save it by putting in the, the proper amount of effort. So now, if let's say he says he's doing it for himself, and everyone else there, theoretically they could also get involved in trying to save it, but they don't, and they're quiet, and they don't get involved in trying to save it. So then the person gets to keep it for himself. If the person who's saving it hasn't said that he's going to take it for himself, so they don't feel any need to protest, and therefore that's why they're not protesting, and therefore the money gets split up between all of them, and everyone gets back the portions that were theirs. We begin the Mishnah. If someone steals a piece of land from his friend, and another group of people steal it from the thief, if this is something that's going on, this isn't the only piece of land that it's happening to. This is something going on in the entire country. So the original thief can say to the person he stole it from, I'm sorry, you got to deal with these people who stole it from me.
In Machmas HaGazlan, however, if it's the fault of the thief himself that this other group came along to steal it, Chayv Lahamed Leisada Acher. So then the person who was the original thief has to give the person he stole from a different piece of land. We begin the Gemara. The one who has the, the gears in the Mishnah, the way that it, it says it in the Mishnah was the word Masikin, he's not wrong. There was an alternate way of learning the Mishnah that said that the word is Matsikin. Both of these are referring to people who steal. We know that the word Matsikin is an appropriate word to use, because the verse says, There uses the word Matsik, which is referring to causing someone to be impoverished. So, so to someone who steals causes someone else to be impoverished. Impoverished. The one who says it as masikin is also not incorrect. Because the verse says yiyarish hatzilotzal. The verse says that it will be inherited by the locusts. And the Aramaic translation of this is yachsinine sako. The word locusts and locusts are animals that they come and they eat up all of the crops. They steal everyone's crops. And the, the word is translated as sako, which is the same root as the word masikin. So we see that the word masikin refers to people who are acting like locusts or taking things that are not rightfully theirs. We said in the Mishnah that if it's the fault of the thief that this group of people came along and stole the piece of land, so then the thief himself has to give the person we stole from a different piece of land. The Gemara wants to understand what's the case. How do we know that it was the fault of the thief? If it's just because that was the only piece of land that they took, they weren't taking any other pieces of land, that we wouldn't need to say it again because we could have deduced that from the first case of the Mishnah. Why? What does it say? We said, if it's something that's happening throughout the land, so then the, the person who got stolen from us to deal with the people who are there currently. But the indication is, if it wasn't because of that, then he would have to deal with the thief, not with the people who are there currently. So that can't be what it's talking about. Gemara says we need it for the following case. That the reason that they took this piece of land is because the guy who was a thief, so he had stolen this piece of land, and then he heard that the king's men are coming to take pieces of land, to take pieces of property. And he directed them toward this piece of property. So therefore it was his fault that they took this piece of property, and therefore he has to replace it to the person that he originally took it from. Another possible explanation of this is, and what we're talking about over here, where the non-Jew had come and he was about to take away a piece of land from the thief. They said to him, show us your piece of land. And the thief, not only did he show him his own piece of land, but he also showed them the piece of land that originally had belonged, that had been stolen from this original party. So therefore, that's why it's called that it was taken away because of the thief.